Welcome to the Grit and Wit podcast, a show for ambitious female business owners that want to grow irresistible brands. If you're running a business and juggling family commitments and often your sanity, well, you're in the right place. I'm Liz from Elevate and I'm your host. I'll be chatting with inspiring guests who are sharing their stories and practical advice to help you navigate the highs and lows of building a business with grit and wit. Hello and welcome to this week's episode. I hope you're all well, despite the weirdness of the time that we're in at the moment. This week, I am joined by the lovely Vary, who is a life and productivity coach for busy parents. Now, Vary lives in Australia and she's originally from Scotland. You'll hear her gorgeous accent. Vary teaches a brand new way and sort of approach to time management that basically has you throwing out your to-do list and scheduling your free time first which to me felt like a very novel idea when I first heard this. Obviously, you know, I'm a, a mum of three, running my own business, and it's often the free time and the fun that goes first. Certainly for me, it can be exercise and healthy eating. So when I heard about this approach, I was really interested to learn more. Vary's superpower really is teaching us overwhelmed, stressed out parents how to get more organised and to have more fun. She's a mum of two and she is also a creative. She was a graphic designer in her previous life and she really understands the kind of creative process and how small businesses and creatives work. So I hope you enjoyed the episode. We've unpacked a whole lot of different ideas and I'd be really interested to have your feedback. Thank you for joining us on the Grit and Wit podcast this morning, Barry. It's uh, lovely to have you here. We're going to start, if that's okay, just by talking a little bit about uh, your business. Sounds good. Thank you for having me. So do you mind just telling us a little bit about yourself, the business that you run and a little bit of your background? Yeah, sure. So my name's Barry Longmuir and I am a life and business coach. And I specifically work with busy, stressed out, overwhelmed parents who have their own business. So I really help them to create that structure and and set those big goals for their business without neglecting themselves and without neglecting the time with their kids and the people that they love. So it's really such an honor to be able to do this work with people. As a parent myself and as a business owner of over 10 years, I've really kind of worked out what works and what doesn't work by a lot of trial and error. And so for me to transition from what my business was before, which was graphic design and illustration into coaching has been just a really natural progression for me. And coaching has been something that I've did exclusively for the last three or four years now. So yeah, it was really a natural transition from my own kind of learning and study into what makes for a really happy and healthy life as a business owner and as a parent. And you're not based in the UK now, are you? You're in Melbourne, is that right? Yeah, that's right. So I grew up in Glasgow. Um, I lived in Glasgow with my mum and dad and my brother and sister. And then I moved to New York as a 17-year-old. So I was on a volleyball scholarship and went over to New York by myself at 17, which scares me to death when I think of my children doing the same thing. (laughs) I will be a massive hypocrite. (laughs) But I moved over there and then I moved back to Glasgow and I knew that I didn't really want to be in Glasgow, but I didn't really have a clear plan of where I did want to go. So I accepted the place that I'd been offered at uni to study graphic design in Glasgow and 
as the universe would have it, I met a boy and we moved in together and I settled down and got engaged at the ripe old age of 19. Wow. <laughs> and then, um, and I stayed in Glasgow for a couple of years. Um, I finished my degree and started working for an agency and then for national publications. But I really knew that Glasgow was not where my heart was. And my husband at the time, he kind of had that bug to travel as well. So we decided to give Australia a go and it was on a bit of a whim really like we'd, we'd never even been here before like we'd never even traveled to Australia on holiday let alone considered living here <laughs> but we thought we would give it a try so we packed our bags we literally landed in Melbourne with no jobs no friends nowhere to live and just a backpack each and 12 plus years later this is definitely home so my boys were born here they are Australians I became an Australian last year so oh, wow. um, whilst Glasgow was was my home as a kid Australia is definitely my home now and I love to still travel I love to still be able to get back to the UK and um, to travel to different parts of the world um, with my boys but yeah Melbourne is definitely home for us for sure Wow, that's uh, yeah, that's that's quite terrifying actually. When you start to think about your own children, age seventeen, you know, disappearing off to New York. <laughs> I think it's it's right, interesting yeah. looking at it from the other <laughs> side, isn't it? But wow, what a what a great adventure you've been on! Incredible. Mm. And so you sw- you made the switch from graphic designer uh, into coach, as you're saying. Uh, what kind of mot- motivated you to make that change? Yeah, so it was it was quite a natural transition, really. So. I started my own business when my eldest son, Gabriel, was just five months old. So I, at the time, was working full time for IMG, which is the big sports management and events company. Um, And I was working in their sales and marketing department. And it really was my dream job. I got to create all this beautiful branding and graphics for these massive sporting and fashion events. And I really thought it was my dream job. So I went off to have my baby and then five months later, I realized that I was being made redundant (laughs) from that job. So I had a new baby, I just bought a new house and I now had no job. So it felt like there was no time like the present. So I thought if I'm gonna give this entrepreneur business thing a go, I may as well give it a try now. So really at first I started freelancing as a graphic designer. I actually freelanced back to my old company, which was hilarious. And (laughs) I realized that I really wanted to be my own boss like my dad had had his own company and I from a young age had known that I wanted to to do my own thing and to really kind of carve my own path and not necessarily be an employee I have to say I was a really terrible employee (laughs) (laughs) and I can say that now looking back because I just wanted to do things my way all the time and I didn't understand why they didn't have budgets for things and I just wanted to just press ahead and do all the things and I didn't like being told no so I was a really really crappy employee (laughs) (laughs) I think I was the same actually yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's like that self-sabotage I'm like I will not have a job (laughs) (laughs) and so for me when I decided to go freelance I really wanted to develop my own business but I didn't want to have a typical bricks and mortar business the idea of running an agency in Melbourne really didn't appeal to me because I wanted this um, freedom and flexibility over my schedule and I didn't necessarily want to have you know huge overheads of some beautiful loft studio space in the cool part of town and having to commute back and forward like that really wasn't what 
freedom felt like for me. So, you know, at the time, this was back in 2008, I decided to take my design business and have it completely online. So it was essentially like a virtual graphic design studio. And so I would work with clients on their branding and on their graphics all over the world. And now that seems like a no brainer, right? It's like, that's just, especially now in this time we're in, we're all working online and from home. But at the time that was quite a kind of new and novel idea, you know, to have your own small boutique agency essentially but not have a studio space so for me I was kind of making up the rules as I was going along and it really was in a way that was allowing me to be the parent I wanted to be with living here in Australia we didn't have extended family to help with childcare, so it really just was me and my husband and the neighbor potentially if we had to call on the neighbor so as I found myself going more and more into this work, there were other people who were curious about how I was doing it and how I was able to take what is a in real life business and really take it online and make it a success. So I started on the side mentoring other freelance creatives and how to set up their businesses and how to really curate their services and their offers for their particular clients that they wanted to work with. And as I started to do more of that work, that was the work that really lit me up. And I still had my design clients, but I really enjoyed this kind of educational part of, of the work that I was doing. So really, that was what led me down this path to then look at potentially, you know, becoming a coach and, and the industry of life coaching and what that really meant. And for me, it was really a case of bringing both of those parts together. So the the business strategy, which I really, really love, and also the life coaching mindset stuff as well, because I think it's so essential that they go hand in hand. You know, we can do all the action stuff. We can have all the content calendars and we can tick all the things off and we can send all the pitches. But unless we're doing it from that right frame of mind and we've got that intention behind it then I think that's when it often falls flat and people get burned out people end up you know doing a bit of a backflip or they change gears and they close businesses down only to open new ones to close them a few years later so for me it was kind of bringing my two worlds together this area of personal development self-help that I was really fascinated in from a personal point of view and looking at how I could marry the two of those things together the business and the lifestyle stuff so that's really what evolved into the coaching practice as it is today. I think it's really interesting as well and we've worked together you've done some coaching with me and I've been through one of your programs and I think the thing that I found really interesting was the fact that you have this background so you understand you know what it's like to be a sort of freelance creative or to run your own creative agency business you know small agency whatever you want to call it but the fact that because you've got that background you're seeing things in a different way because you're coming at it from a coach perspective and also sort of from the having been there and done that kind of perspective uh, but you very much understand I didn't feel like I had to explain any of the thought processes that I had around my business because I, I felt like you just got it because you have obviously sort of been there yourself at some point and I think that the fact that you have the, the two things coming together and you have that background is really quite powerful for your clients now because lots of your clients are creative aren't they and parents as well obviously and and you talk a lot about the idea of sort of this freedom um I listened to your podcast Barry's got a fantastic podcast I will link in the show notes and the idea of kind of what freedom looks like for you uh, and also you know not doing all the things all the time and being really so busy that you actually don't have the chance to in, enjoy the fact that you're you know you're freelance and that you should have this freedom so 
I mean, obviously, things at the moment are so strange. And there are going to be so many people right now that are working from home who perhaps haven't worked from home before. There'll also be loads of people more like us that are used to working from home and probably have done for a number of years. But now everything's sort of turned on its head and we've got children at home and everything like that. Is this sort of something that you're finding that's coming up for your clients? Uh, and do you have any advice that you could give our listeners uh, on, on how they could think about this or, or any strategies to kind of to deal with the, the changes that everyone's facing right now? Mm, mm, yeah, definitely. It's something that's coming up a lot with my clients at the moment, this kind of uncertainty and overwhelm that seems to just be everywhere we turn at the moment. And what I love to offer my clients, and this kind of blows people's mind, and I know for me, when I really understood this on a deep level, it completely changed my perception. But when we look at all the things that we need to do in a day, there's actually nothing on that list that we have to do now, I know everyone's like, oh, no, but I have to teach my kids, you know, I have to school my kids, I have to answer my client emails, I have to make the dinner. But I love this idea of really changing our perception around that and seeing it as things that we get to do, that we get to choose to do, you know, because we don't want the consequences of not doing them, right? Like we choose to homeschool our kids because the consequence of not choosing to homeschool our kids is that our kids don't learn, right? So this idea of shifting our thinking into what we have to do, to what we want to do and what we choose to do, I think is really helpful at the moment because there's so much stuff coming at us, right? There's so many responsibilities and obligations that we just feel we don't have an option in. But I want to just offer that to your listeners that there is actually nothing that you have to do that you get to choose to do them. You know, we don't have to call our mum if we don't want to. We don't have to make dinner. We can get takeout. We don't have to do the laundry, but we choose to do the laundry because we want to have clean clothes, right? (laughs) So it's this idea of kind of like getting down to the essentials of what are the things that we actually want to do? What are the essential things that we have to do? If we are business owners and we're working from home, really, what are the essential things that you need to tick off on your list each and every week in order for you to, to maintain and even potentially grow during this time? I know for me, you know, I've really distilled it down to those essential things. So on a weekly basis, I write and record my podcast. I hold my live free online class. And I do my client sessions and I write and send one newsletter and that's it. Like those are my essential things. And really that's helped me to be able to feel like I'm being productive, feel like I'm staying on top of things, but also be there to be available for my kids because they inevitably need me to help them navigate this new structure that they're being thrust into with school. And also to have some time for some fun and for some lightheartedness and to not be so ruled by this checklist of all the things things that we need to do every day so yeah those are definitely things that are coming up at the moment in conversations with clients for sure it's quite liberating isn't it I think once you've kind of created that list of the absolute essential things that you choose to do to, uh, you can start to allocate some time against this I and mean, obviously you're really you know a massive advocate I think of of scheduling in on your calendar uh, your tasks to allocate time against them but also to make sure that you're you're prioritizing you know your free time and your leisure time and your fun time and that kind of stuff and to try and create that balance and I, I found that very interesting when we were talking because I've mm. I'd always done it the other way around I'd always you know done a great big to-do list uh, all the things that I used to do didn't really allocate proper sort of time slots and 
things against that. And then that those things would just kind of fill the time that I had available, which meant that then my free time, the time I should have had as free time, was taken up with the to-do list. And you never, you always kind of think to yourself, oh, well, I'll, I'll do that tomorrow or I'll get to that later once I finish this, once I finish that. And there's never a cutoff. And when you're working for yourself, there is never a, oh, I've finished work for the day. You know, you have to actually choose that you've finished work for the day, really. Certainly when you're, you know, running a business where you, you're on social media and all the other things that you could be doing. So, yeah, do you have any tips about that for sort of when you're working from home, certainly at the moment, how somebody could sort of manage you know, in quite a practical way, perhaps, their schedule? So they've kind of worked out these essential things. What do they do next? Yeah, so as you know, I am a massive fan of getting it all on the calendar. I do not like to-do lists, and here's why. To-do lists are completely endless, right? We'll write that to-do list for the day, and we might have 10 things on the list, and we might get seven checked off, and then the three that we didn't get checked off then go on to next day's list, and then we fill it up with some more things. And so it's just this endless cycle of never getting to the end of anything, you know? And so we feel like we're never fully completing anything, especially for business owners, because there's always more to do. There's always more pitches to send or more social media posts to write or, you know, more changes to make to our website. Like there's always going to be things to do. So for me, I like to think of it as checklists are just endless and it's not a plan. You know, we really need to create a plan. And that's what's so beautiful about using a calendar to really schedule your time. So as you know, Liz, I'm a massive fan of scheduling free time first. And this is a really controversial thing that a lot of other, you know, productivity coaches or time management experts kind of balk at because this idea of scheduling your free time first it's just not something that we're we've ever been really exposed to you know it's a kind of new concept but the reason that I do it is that free time is always the first thing to go when we get really busy you know we forget to sleep we forget to eat we forget to exercise because our time is just so consumed with all this other stuff you know and And the reason that we have our own business is because we want that freedom, right? Most of us want that sense of agency over our schedule, over our time, how we spend our days and and how we we're able to to connect with our family under our own set of rules that we have for our business. So if we can really schedule that free time first, it's it's such an important message that we're kind of putting out there that our free time and our family time is just as important as that time that we spend doing the work that we really love to do. And so for me, it's important that there is that balance of both. So I would say if you are feeling that, you know, you're getting overwhelmed with things and you feel that you're kind of working endlessly all day, but you're not necessarily being all that productive, I'd say have a look at your calendar and block out some time that is completely free time. That might be time with your kids on the weekend. It might be an evening to yourself during the week. It might be some early mornings. I'm a big fan of getting up early before my kids to make sure I've got some time for myself first thing in the morning. But really block out that time and make it non-negotiable. Make it time that you view as being as important as a meeting with your accountant or with a client call or whatever that may be. Because once we start to let those things go, that's when we slip into that kind of endless busyness of just doing all the time. And we don't really get to appreciate those beautiful moments of downtime that we really have to plan and schedule in. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. I think another piece of advice I've heard you give, which I 
sort of starts to live by, certainly at the moment, a, a huge amount more than I would have done before, is this idea of B minus work. And I've heard you talk about this uh, several times. And I, I thought it was a really sort of interesting concept because I think there's often a real danger of the perfectionist thing coming out and not wanting to put anything out there until it's until it's right until it's perfect and then spending a lot of time on sort of perhaps educating yourself and feeling like you need to know all the information before you make a decision and before you take action whereas actually at the moment everybody's just having to take action everyone's having to get on zoom calls everyone's having to do things that they probably would have put off for the next five years had this not all happened uh, with the coronavirus mainly probably out of sort of fear and you know huge dose of of procrastination but now we're kind of being forced to to take our businesses online and to tackle the the fear of the tech and all of that kind of stuff. And I think a lot of the stuff that I'm putting out there, I would say is definitely a B minus, if not perhaps a C minus. <laughs> um, so can you talk a little bit to us about the idea of this, this sort of B minus work? Yeah, definitely. Um, as you know, B minus is my jam. That's <laughs> I like to do everything in my life at B minus level. And I especially recently have been encouraging my kids to go for B minus level as well. Now, I know all the perfectionists in your audience will be like in a cold sweat at the moment. (laughs) 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 But here's the thing with B minus level work. It's not sloppy work. It's not substandard work. B minus is really great quality, but it's not perfect. So we're not going to wait until it's perfectly polished and in this, you know, beautiful little package before we put it out there in the world, you know. So I really encourage my clients to really, you know, create something at that B minus level and then put it out and get the feedback on it. Find out what's resonating, find out what's not and make those tweaks as you go. You can always improve to, you know, an A minus or an A plus if you want to, but don't wait till something's at that A plus level before you put it out there in the world. And, you know, for me to, I approach parenting at a B minus level, I approach my exercise at B minus level, and I definitely approach my work at B minus level. And I have to say over having, you know, been my own boss for over a decade now, I'd say being able to put stuff into the world at B minus level has worked pretty well for me this far. And so I'll continue to do it because it means that I'm taking action and not getting stuck in this over-educating. And I'm really glad that you touched on that, Liz, because it's something that actually just came up in a, a coaching session today with a client, this idea of researching and studying and listening to all the podcasts and reading all the books. And whilst I'm a huge fan of being a student, like I always want to grow and to learn and to find out new and interesting concepts and see how I can incorporate them into my teaching. Like I'm definitely a fan of education. But where it falls down is when we're only doing the education part, when we're only doing that passive learning, where we're just consuming all the time. So we're consuming courses and programs and books and podcasts and workshops and all the things, but we're not actually implementing anything that we're learning in there. So, you know, we all know that person who has like four degrees and, you know, a master's and a PhD, but they're completely unemployable, you know, it's like this procrastination of like endless education. And I think a lot of that comes around a sense of not feeling worthy or feeling like a bit of a fake or a fraud. So we almost need to have 
you know, this piece of paper that says we've got permission to do a certain thing. I know that came up for me as I was transitioning out of my graphic design business and in fully into my coaching business is that even though I was a certified coach, there was part of my brain that was telling me, but you've got this piece of paper from uni that tells you you're allowed to be a graphic designer, you know? And so it took me a while to kind of like unpick that and, and allow myself to step into something new. So this kind of like over-educating, I think now is a really great time whilst we do have far less obligations um, and appointments in our calendars. I think now is a really great time to to do some extra study, to do some extra learning. But what's really important is that we actually implement the things we're learning. So for me, I'll read a book and I have to implement something from the book before I'm allowed to read the next book, you know. And it's the same with podcasts. You know, I'll, I'll need to take that concept and implement it in some way before I move on to the next one. Otherwise, it really is just entertainment, right? We think that we're learning, we think we're being productive, but we're just entertaining ourselves with like more noise and more media. And all it does is end up confusing us because then we have all these options and we don't know what one to pick. So we kind of spin in this overwhelming confusion and we don't actually take any action. So I'm a big fan of constraint of learning a concept, applying it at that B minus level work and then tweaking it and changing it and going again. And that's really how we get that momentum and that growth is by taking the concept and actually applying it in the world. Yeah, I totally agree. And I've I've completely taken the B minus thing to heart because as you probably know, I've set up over the last few weeks, I've set up um, a kids photography school uh, and I'd sort of had the idea on the weekend. I'd put something on Instagram, I think it was saying, you know, would anybody be interested in this? And I think it was Facebook and had a load of people saying, yep, that sounds like a good idea. And then I think it was actually it was about four days later the doors were open and I'd, I'd started to sell some places and I filled this this kids photography it's called the kids takeover photo school uh, I filled it with the kind of first cohort and, and decided to run it over four weeks um, and build it as I go whereas I think up until this point if you'd said to me that that was what I was going to do that would have horrified me I would have said no 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 I need to have everything done beforehand I can't possibly sell something that doesn't exist I can't I can't create that time frame and that schedule but actually when push comes to shove I absolutely can and having those deadlines has forced me in a nice way to get on with it and to stop being a perfectionist and stop worrying about you know the detail as obviously I'm trying to make it as be- the best I possibly can but just kind of creating it and having that freedom to just go right I'm just going to do this and if it's not perfect it's not perfect and everybody will understand because that's actually part of the freedom that we have in this time at the moment which sounds really strange because we're all in lockdown and everyone's like well we're not free at all but we have this understanding I think that people are doing things for the first time at the moment and lots of people are trying new things And I think that's quite liberating because people don't expect things to be perfect. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad you touched on that because that's something I wanted to mention as well is that there is no better time to put that B minus level work out in the world because everyone's doing it, right? And we're all really aware of how scrappy this is at the moment. And so we've got these really low expectations of people, but in such a compassionate way, right? Yeah. We we know that people are doing these pivots in business, you know, and they're they're changing track and they're taking action on things that is completely imperfect, but they're making it up as they go along. And I think it's so endearing to see people do that. You know, it's such a vulnerable thing to do. 
I know with my clients, I have one client who has been wanting to take his program that is in person online for the longest time. And we have been working through that. But as soon as, you know, all the lockdowns started happening, he really started to implement it. And again, this perfectionism is something that has been coming up for him of, you know, this program had lived on his computer for more than two years that he had never actually gotten online. But watching him take this imperfect action and to see even over the course of the, the last six weeks, how that's evolved and changed and grown over six weeks, like that would never have happened if he had stayed and tried to get it to the level it's at now two months ago you know he had to put it out in the world and take that imperfect action so I think there really is no time like now to put something out out there in a messy scrappy fly by the seat of your pants kind of way because people are grateful for the content and they're less worried about how polished and perfect it looks on the outside that's right and I think the idea of polishing it then as you go is the is the way to go because from my own experience with the the photo course I'm now into the second cohort and I've got, gosh, three times as many families, um, maybe four times as many families as the first cohort. And it means that I now know what works because I've already had people go through the course. I've already seen the questions come up. I understand a lot more where people are getting stuck. I can make sure that I'm altering any places where there is already sticking points and making sure that it all runs much more smoothly. And then as I go, I'm then kind of finding out about new technology and things that I can do to improve the course. So it's, I, th- I think it's definitely the sort of, literally there's no time at the present to, to try and take, you know, mm. that step and, and to perhaps make a bit of a pivot, take things online. Now, I'm, I'm guessing that your clients, you're probably, that, like I said, there's probably a lot of uncertainty and there's going to be lots of people, and I don't want to downplay this, there's going to be lots and lots of people that are, are really coming unstuck financially at the moment and you know their businesses they have to do in person I'm thinking hairdressers and osteopaths and people like that but for people that have businesses that could they could sort of make a pivot and they could take it online in some way uh, and that's not to say that hairdressers and osteopaths can't by the way (laughs) but are you are you sort of noticing any sort of themes coming out would you say that people are taking action at the moment or would you say that people are, are more reticent and they're sort of pressing pause a little bit more and want to see what's going to happen uh you know in in the future in the coming weeks yeah I've definitely seen a little bit of both so there is this sense I've found with um with some people not necessarily my clients because I wouldn't let them press pause (laughs) (laughs) but I have seen that there are some people that really feel like now's not the time like this kind of idea that like we're in this kind of pause period and that you know any any ambitions or dreams or goals that they had, especially within their business, kind of need to wait until the world gets back to normal, you know. But the thing is that we we don't even know what this normal is going to look like on the other side of this, you know. And we don't know when that day will come that we'll all be allowed to be back out in the world again, you know. And it's, it seems to be changing on a daily basis and it is very dependent on what part of the world you're in at the moment. So, I would say there are quite a lot of people pressing pause at the moment, but then there are those people that are taking action as well. And what I would say is the people who are taking action, I really want you to consider this time not as this is a temporary action, but could this be something that you could continue to develop 
ongoingly. So with the example with my client that I'd mentioned earlier, he's taken all of his in-person sessions and put them online. Now, there will be some people who will be expecting things to go back to how they were and have these in-person sessions, but that's not the direction he wants to take the business in. So if it is something, if that online element is something that you really wanted to create in your business, then now is a really great time to not just make this a temporary measure, but have that be the first step towards that but also for those people that are kind of pressing pause I would say that now really is a really beautiful time to to start to take those little steps you'll know Liz that I'm a massive fan of doing small things you know we we talk about these big things and we have these really big goals and whilst I'm a fan of having big goals and and really kind of stretching ourselves to see what is possible for us and for our lives and for our businesses I'm also a fan of doing those tiny little seemingly insignificant things every single day. So it's not that we have to press pause. And if you do have a business that's an in-person business, there's maybe elements that have to be paused at the moment. But that doesn't mean that there can't be other little small steps that you can be taking every day. Because when we can get out there in the world, your business, your in-person business can look radically different on that day that we emerge from this. You know, one of the questions that I like to ask myself is, who will I become on the other side of this? Who will I become when, you know, there is some sort of normality back to, to our lives? And I think now's a really beautiful time to really dive in and make those changes that you maybe felt you didn't have the time to make before when we're so busy in the doing mode and the maintenance mode of just keeping our businesses taken over. Now's a really beautiful time to really craft some of those services or those products that you've been dreaming of for a long time. So when the world does open back up, we're ready to hit the ground running. You know, there's so many people that have put everything in their life on pause at the moment and they will get back out into the world and they'll feel like nothing's changed for them but the world will be a very different place so I think to really take this time as an opportunity to do some of that work so we're ready and we're prepared to to enter the world on the other side of this and really embrace this time and feel like it's been used to really help in that transformation and that growth and that involvement of us as humans and also our businesses as well. Yeah, I think you're right, really do. And you just touched on one of those sort of questions that you you ask about, you know, what will, who, I think you said, who will I become at the end of this and, you know, how the world will look. Uh, you did a very good podcast. I, I mean, I think all your podcasts are great, by the way. <laughs> but I particularly, uh, one that particularly resonated with me was the one where you asked questions. I wonder whether you might just be able to run through some of those questions uh, with us. And it was uh, sort of journaling questions to kind of help think about you know how we're going to use our time uh, and what we kind of want the outcome of this to be for us and I found it really really useful uh, would you mind running through those for us yeah for sure I'd love to so the first question that I found coming up in my journal so this was very much a, a kind of personal practice of mine but it's really resonated with a lot of other people as well so um, I really wanted to share it in the podcast so the first question is what will I use this time for so you know there's lots of options that of what we can do in this time. You know, we can use it to reprioritize how we're spending our time and our days, you know, what our business looks like, what our family structure looks like even. We might want to use this time to just get some more rest. We might have, you know, such a sleep deficit that we really need this time to, you know, get some of those sleep hours back in the bank. It might be a time that you really want to reflect or create something or to declutter parts of your home or your garage or anything like that. 
it might be a time that you want to really dedicate to doing like daily movement or exercise or a daily yoga practice or create a new morning routine. So that question of what will I use this time for, I think is really helpful to help you set and create a routine that's really going to honor you in this period. One of the other questions that I touched on was who will I become? So this idea of like, you know, looking at ourselves five years from now, like what will we think of this time when we look back? You know, what will our kids think of this time? What will our kids experience and memories of this time be? So the idea of of who do you want to become on the other side of this is really powerful because we get to choose who we are on the other side of it. So yeah, looking at who we want to become four, six, 12, 18 months from now is really powerful. One of the other questions was, what will I create? So, you know, that might be a new business, it might be a new offer or a new program or some new art or some new music or a new movie. Like this is a time that we really get to create because we do have far less obligations of our time. Another question was, am I enduring or experiencing? And this one was really kind of relevant for me. Like I was thinking, am I just enduring this time and getting through it? Or am I actually fully aware with what I'm doing? And and I see online a lot of people just enduring this experience. You know, there's so many memes online about how much wine it requires a mum to get through a week of homeschooling, you know, and it's and it's not to say that they aren't funny. Like, yes, they are funny, but I see so many people are just numbing themselves to this experience they're numbing themselves with alcohol with overeating with endless news cycle with social media with netflix with all the food in the pantry and there's so many ways that we can really remove ourselves from this experience you know online shopping that's another one so many people are buying stuff online they don't even get to wait it in the world i don't know why they're buying all the things <laughs> you know but what we what we're missing out on is the the opportunity for the stillness like we have this opportunity to really experience the stillness you know we don't want to fall into this trap of just being busy 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 every single one of our days so I'd say really you know check in with yourself like are you enduring the days until you go to bed or do you feel this rich sense of simplicity with the way that you get to experience your days And the last question um, was one from Russell Brand, who I'm a massive fan of. He asked the question, he said, how much do I want my old life back? And that just really struck a chord with me, this idea of how do you imagine the world after this one? Like, how much do you want the old you back? You know, how much do we want to bring that stuff that maybe wasn't serving us and, and didn't feel right that we'd maybe outgrown? That may be businesses, it may be friendships, it may be relationships, it may be countries. How much do we want that back and how much do we want to really embrace the world that will emerge from this one? I think that's a really powerful question. I have to agree with you. I, I found that one really powerful. I, I also really like this idea that you talk about the sort of simplicity and the stillness. And I think that this is something that I'm noticing, you know, coming out a lot. I'm seeing it um, sort of, you know, in the groups that I'm in and with my friends and everything. The idea that right now everything's slowed right down hasn't it and we have this opportunity to spend time with our families to be at home and to have some sort of breathing space even though it feels like things are really busy because lots of us are still trying to maintain work and homeschool you know and the washing and the, the cleaning and all the other stuff we're not dashing about the place and we're not you know, we don't not having to do school runs. We're not having to go take kids swimming and all the other things that we're doing. We're actually kind of in one place. So 
I like the idea of this stillness and the fact that the whole world is sort of a lot more still now. There's, you know, where I live, I'm very close to an airport and there are just, there are just no airplanes in the air. I'm used to being in my garden and there being constant noise and then, and I live on a main road. So there's normally constant sort of hum of, of traffic going on and, and it's really not there now it's really really quiet you know I can hear the birds singing in the morning it's a completely different feel just in my own little bubble of where I'm living right now it feels completely different and things feel very still is there any sort of anything else that you'd like to add to that in terms of the sort of simplicity and how we can try and get a little bit more simplicity back into our days if we are perhaps feeling like we're sort of still chasing our tail a bit at home Mm, yeah, I think um, it's something that I really noticed my kids getting kind of hooked into this overwhelm and this busyness at, at the moment as well. And so for me, really kind of getting down to those getting back to basics and not filling my calendar with endless noise has been really, really helpful. I know for me, creating a morning routine has been a huge part of being able to create some more of this simplicity and 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 quietude and, and silence first thing in the morning. So for me, I'm an early riser. I'm up at 5 a.m. For anyone who's read Robin Sharma's book, The 5 a.m. Club, it's an absolute piece of magic. I would recommend everyone go out and buy it and read it. It was life-changing for me when I read it. And I was an early riser before that, but it really helped kind of anchor in the reasons why those early morning hours are so important. So for me to be able to to get up and have that time to myself, like that simplicity of just being able to journal or to meditate and sit with my cup of coffee before the house gets up and I have to, you know, start on breakfast and, you know, making packed lunches. I am still making packed lunches for my kids whilst they're homeschooling <laughs> because I do not want to be mum's kitchen all day. <laughs> it's a godsend, isn't it? I've been saying to my friends, any friends that and saying to me, gosh, you know, I feel like I'm cooking all day long. I'm like, no, don't do that. Just get the kids to make their own, if they're old enough, get them to make their own packed lunch at breakfast time. And then that's a whole meal taken out of the middle of the day. And it's so liberating. They can just go to the fridge, get their box. They've got their snacks. It's so easy. <laughs> Definitely. I'm all over that. I'm all yeah, over that. I agree. <laughs> yeah. I said that to them, you know, this first week that we started homeschooling. I'm like, right, usually you come home from school and there are still some pieces of fruit and stuff in your lunchbox. So this is clearly enough food to get you through the hours of 9 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. So you will have your lunchbox and you may not enter the pantry or the fridge until at least four o'clock. So <laughs> I've gone for a hard line on that. But yeah, I definitely do not want to be mum's kitchen <laughs> all day long. <laughs> but I'd say, yeah, having that time in the morning um, is, is really such a, a luxurious time. And I think, you know, that silence and stillness is such a luxury in our lives at the moment, you know, when when we're all kind of struggling to find focus and find time to get everything done, I think being able to create those little pockets of stillness has been so important for me. I also know from a more practical point of view, when it comes to transitioning out of you know work and school mode into home mode, I know that's been a bit of a struggle for quite a lot of people, especially those who are finding themselves working from home for the first time. So some little practical things that have really helped me transition from that time is that I have always had my afternoon meditation. So I meditate twice a day, once in the morning for 15 minutes and once at three o'clock for 15 minutes. 
And that's always really allowed me to transition from work very into mum very and be at home. You know, it's given me that kind of break. So as my boys have been home, I've been doing just a little five minute mindfulness thing with them, you know, on YouTube and um, specifically for kids to help them kind of transition out of that school time into, you know, downtime and fun time. So they can sit on the couch and watch something or they can go out and play basketball in the driveway or whatever they want to do. But having those little periods of transition is really, really helpful. Also packing away all of the school stuff, you know, it's just little things like that. Like, you know, at the moment I've got an office from home that I usually work from, but at the moment we're finding ourselves all sitting around the kitchen table with our laptops and, and trying to do school from there. So I'd say, you know, when it gets to the end of the school day, pack everything away, pack all the laptops away, all the notebooks, all the school bags, pack everything away. So it really feels like a different energy. And one other thing that I've been doing just this last couple of weeks is we have a, you know, a diffuser in the in the lounge room where, where we're working from at the moment. And I've just been using different oils at different times of the day. So having an oil that's quite an uplifting one is we're all working and doing school and having much more of a relaxing oil in the evening. So just those little kind of sensory anchors to really, you know, it might not be something that's necessarily acknowledged by my boys or noticed by them but for me to just create that different atmosphere you know to put on a different lamp you know and to to create that kind of transition from you know the the kind of productive part of our day and the school part and the work part into that more relaxation part has just been really helpful for me to create a bit of routine when there really is a lack of routine you know it creates a bit of a rhythm to the days as opposed to this kind of monotonous get up and bed up from bed do the day and then go back to bed so yeah those are just a few little tips that I found to be really helpful for me to kind of create more of that simplicity and more of that kind of natural rhythm to our days as we rest and as we work yeah I think um we're very very similar actually I haven't thought of doing the oils and the diffuser I like that idea I, I tend to burn candles and stuff during the day but we tend to use music like that as well so often mm. um transitioning from I don't know homeschool uh, into our kind of afternoon more playtime then the, the the I put sort of some music on and everybody kind of a bit of a dance and we kind of you know try and move our bodies a little bit and, and do that kind of thing I like the idea of the, the diffuser as well the other thing is that I'm sort of trying I, I totally agree as well by the way about uh, creating these transitions and also around packing up the kind of homeschool stuff so I've I've basically reorganized my kitchen to kind of fit in with the the stuff that I have to have because I'm homeschooling three kids of three different ages and the youngest is five so there's more stuff for her whereas obviously the older kids they're much mm-hmm. more on computers and things it's much easier it's like a headphones and a, and a laptop but I, I found that I've just had to make some sort of small practical changes in the kitchen um, and move a th- few things around so that then at the end of the day I can have a couple of they have a box file each with some books and things and then those go on the shelf and they kind of get put away and all the pens and stuff are in a big box and they get put away so then the kitchen table becomes the kitchen table again and somewhere we can enjoy a meal and I think that's really important actually for all of us to and I kind of clean the table after we finished homeschool put some flowers or something you know in the middle of the table some fruit or whatever just so it feels much more like home again so I, th- mm. I think that's a really key point you make I haven't read the book by Robin Sharma the 5am club am club but that is definitely going to be on my hit list now I'm really interested to know what time you go to bed if you're up at 5am every day <laughs> you're, you're 
an early to bed, early to rise person. Yeah, well, uh, like I, I try to get to bed early, but my children are growing so much that sometimes they they are not in bed when I would like to go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> so they're kind of pushing my bedtime to be a bit later than I would typically like. But I am offline and off screens by 9.30 and I like to be in bed at 10 o'clock. So not hugely early, you know, not by Australian standards. There's people in Australia that go to bed at eight o'clock sometimes. Um, so yeah, pretty late by Australian standards. But yeah, I try to get into bed between kind of 9.30 and 10 o'clock. And then yeah, the alarm goes off at 4.50 each morning. Wow. <laughs> is it light at 4.50? It is not light. Nope. It's <laughs> black. No. It does feel like the middle of the night then, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. wow. And, and that's really a part of what Robin Sharma shares in the book is this, you know, getting up before the sun and how we can really, you know, intentionally start our day before the day starts us. So, um, yeah, for anyone who hasn't read it, um, I highly recommend it. It's beautifully written. Um, I think it took them four or five years to craft it in, in the form that it's in now. And you can really feel that love and attention that's gone into it. So, yeah, it's a really beautiful book. But yeah, getting up at five, um, I do 20 minutes of light exercise and mostly kind of, you know, stretching, then 20 minutes of meditation and then 20 minutes of journaling or reading. And then usually I do my kind of main workout for the day from six or seven. And then my kids are up usually around seven. They sometimes are up before that. And so they'll just work out along with me. It's very imperfect. Or they'll sit on the couch and watch me working out. And then, yeah, then it's family time from seven o'clock. And we usually take our dog out for a walk. We'll have some breakfast and then we're, you know, at the kitchen table ready to start our day at nine o'clock so yeah for me to have that time to myself in the morning is just really important and and it's so funny because I was never a morning person like I was that person that was getting out of bed five minutes before they were due to start work like I was never a morning person but I remember when Gabriel my eldest was just a baby really wanting to get up before I was called to action you know I hated those mornings where I woke up to a cry and had to be like instantly you know on my game and be doing all the things and be available to him so even you know back then just to be able to get up and get you know a cup of coffee and five minutes to myself before I had to be in you know mum mode was really helpful so as they've gotten older I know that's not necessarily you know doable for people who have tiny little people at home especially if they're up numerous times during the night but with mine being the ages they are now at 10 and 8 I can really you know carve out that time for myself in the morning and and on the rare occasion where I don't get up I really notice the impact that it has on the rest of my day so yeah it really is this little delicious slice of the day that I get to just be by myself and really set that intention for the day so yeah it's it's definitely something to to give a try if you haven't tried it before for sure I think I will try that actually it sounds wonderful and hideous at the same time <laughs> but um, I'm happy <laughs> happy to give it a whirl I love the idea of starting the day on the front foot and I love those days mm. where I do get up before everybody else and I have had that time and I can sit with a uh, you know a cup of tea and and maybe read for a while I completely understand that that is you know I I, I feel that that is so powerful and it means that I feel mm. like I'm winning the day before I've even really started the day or before anyone else has started yeah. the day which is brilliant so I can see yeah. that that would be a really really start the day every day mm. I'm guessing that uh, I, I, am I right in thinking that you don't drink that's right yes I stopped drinking almost two years ago now so I decided that the alcohol just wasn't something that I preferred to do anymore so yeah I made the decision to stop for a, a prolonged period of time 
And then after a couple of months, I realized just how much better my life was without it, um, which again was never something I thought that would be something I would do. Alcohol being Scottish, um, alcohol had very much been a part of my life for a really long time. But yeah, it has been life changing to just prefer not to drink alcohol. So yeah, that definitely helps with the 5am wake ups for sure. <laughs> yeah see I'm, I'm I'm sort of with you on the on the alcohol front now uh, the weekends I'm sort of just having a drink at the weekends not very much but I definitely feel so so much better uh and I'm I'm so much sharper on the days where they we, we I haven't had a glass of wine the night before and I think I'm seeing certainly with lots of my friends at the moment there's a real like you say about this sort of online thing about you know have a have a gin and tonic or a glass of wine to get through this uh, I'm seeing a lot of that kind of coming back up all that sort of mummy drinks type stuff uh, yeah, which yeah. I, I don't think it's helpful I think that actually to, to try to, to to be on your game and to kind of bring your best self and all that stuff that you hear about I think that actually if you're if you're clear-headed uh, you just feel so much better mm. so I, I'm definitely I'm seriously considering and I've been saying it for a little while I'm seriously considering joining you uh, on that sort of prolonged period of non-drinking, actually. Yeah, I mean, it really has been transformational for me. And and I was really worried about it, though, because I was like, oh, I'm going to be that boring person that doesn't drink. You know, I'm going to be that friend that like never gets asked to go anywhere because she's the one that doesn't drink, you know. Um, and I had all these like crazy thoughts about what it was to be someone who doesn't drink. But I have to say, I know I am way more fun when I don't drink than I was when I did drink. So, <laughs> yeah, like, you know, the stories that we tell ourselves. And actually, there's nowhere to go right now anywhere, is there? <laughs> exactly, right? Um, but what's so fascinating with this whole kind of, you know, mummy drinking culture that we see so much of online at the moment is we're kind of fed this idea that we need alcohol in order to survive motherhood, you know, and and it's not necessarily the case. Like alcohol can just be that kind of escape hatch that we reach for that's quite socially accepted, you know, that we're encouraged to do um, when things get too tough, you know. And I know for me, it just became this kind of constant in my days. So there was never a time where alcohol wasn't a good idea. So, you know, if there was something to celebrate, we'll have a glass of wine. If it'd been a tough day, we'll have a glass of wine. If it's the weekend, we'll have a glass of wine. If it's Monday, we'll have a glass of wine. Like there was never a bad time. You know, there was never a time not to have a glass of wine. Um, and so I just kind of recognized this in myself. And the thing is that alcohol, what I realized was that alcohol wasn't making things more fun. It just made them seem like they were more fun. And I think that was really important for me to realize, like to go to a wedding and drink alcohol didn't make the wedding more fun. It just made it what it is. You know, if we go and we don't drink alcohol, then the wedding is what it is. But if we drink alcohol, it might seem like more fun, but it's not actually more fun, you know? So there's this kind of false veil that we think alcohol makes everything so much more fun and exciting. And I'm not saying that going out and, you know, sharing a bottle of wine with your partner and over a beautiful meal is not a beautiful thing. But when we start to kind of mask a lot of the uncomfortable feelings, you know, and this feeling of overwhelm and anxiety and confusion and doubt and, and all the things that come up for us, when we just mask that with alcohol, I think that's when it can be, become something that isn't necessarily adding to our life and is probably robbing us of a lot of the opportunities that we're not taking action on. Mm, yeah, I agree. And so obviously I'm going to be looking for this. I'm, I'm jumping about here a bit, um, but I'm going to be looking for this book, The 5am Club. Are there any other books that you recommend that people could have a look at at the moment? 
I am a massive bookworm, so I have a lot of books, but some at the moment that might be a good fit. I love all of Dr. Shefali Sabari's books. She is a psychologist and parenting expert. Um, She has a book called The Conscious Parents and another one called The Awakened Family. Those are both really beautiful books. And for any parents who are listening, they're really fantastic um, perspective shifts at this time that we're dealing with at the moment. So I would say her books are definitely on high rotation on my bookshelf. They're ones I dive into time and time again. Ones that I have recently read, I've read Marie Forleo's Everything is Figureoutable, which is, you know, a a huge hit by many standards. I'd say that's a really great one. Also, The Alter Ego Effect by Todd Herman is a really great one that I'm in the middle of at the moment. And one of my clients actually bought me that book, which was really beautiful. And the other one I've just finished is Untamed by Glennon Doyle beautiful book beautifully written I listened to the audio version of it as well she reads her work in such a beautiful way so yeah those are my kind of top picks of books for the moment oh excellent I've got a few to add to my list then (laughs) I haven't read any of those that's a really really good starting point I'm just scribbling these down (laughs) and I will link to these in the show notes guys so thanks for that Uh, I've been reading the four-hour work week I presume you've probably read that as well. And it's funny, actually, I was looking through my books next to my bed. I've got this basket and I seem to just be adding to them. And loads of the books that I pulled out, I was thinking, gosh, they're all really, really relevant for this kind of lockdown period. It was uh, the book How Not to Die, which is about sort of nutrition and the food Mm. and stuff like that. I haven't read that yet. Um, (laughs) I was thinking, I I lined them up on the floor. I thought I might take a photo of this. It's really strange that I seem to have picked all these books before the lockdown. And actually, they all seem to be really the, the, the kind of titles that um oh that's right in our book club as well I'm in a book club with some friends and the, the the choice of book for this month just gone which we haven't actually read yet was uh what is it a hundred is it a thousand years of solitude is that what it's called hundred years oh, of solitude. yeah I know that one. Uh, yeah. I, ha- I haven't read it yet but then we decided afterwards that actually that's perhaps not the best title for a book right <laughs> right now um so we're, we're <laughs> rethinking that but apparently it's an absolutely beautiful book Mm. so yeah I love reading too yeah some of the other books I've actually been diving into so I'm a massive like business you know personal development reader and that's probably the majority of what I read but I have been diving back into some fiction and other books as well which has been a really nice kind of respite from a lot of the learning and the study side of things so um I have been reading and Stephen King's on writing which is really beautiful and I feel like the the whisperings of the book that I want to write are kind of coming to the surface. So um, Stephen King has this really beautiful book that's kind of part memoir and part, you know, how to write your own book. And um, so I've been reading that. And then another one that I picked up at my local bookshop is called Written in History. And it's this collection of, of important letters over the course of history. So there's like love letters, there's letters from prime ministers and presidents during wartime. And it's just fascinating to kind of dive in and just read one or two letters at a time. So um, yeah, those are some other kind of more escapist entertainment kind of books that I've been reading at the moment, which have been, yeah, a really nice break from the norm. Yeah, and a, and a nice break as well from Netflix. Mm, <laughs> and the the yeah. temptation, especially just to sort of stick on Netflix and, you know, 
sit there and stare at the screen. I notice that the days that I turn the TV off and don't have that in the evenings and we pick up a book and we read instead or listen to some music or something, you know, my sense of sort of wellness and contentment is much higher than the days where I'm staring at Netflix. Although I do mm. obviously love Netflix, don't get me wrong. <laughs> it has its yep. place. Especially time. <laughs> Okay, so thank you very much for that, Barry. It's been a really uh, interesting conversation and hopefully our listeners will be able to take something away from that too. If people want to find out a little bit more about you uh, and your work, where can they find you? Yeah, sure. So you can find me over at my website, which is just my name, varylongmuir.com. And you can find me on Instagram. I'm just at varylongmuir. So over on the website, you can sign up. I have a free weekly class called Five Simple Steps to Exceptional Stress-Free Productivity. So this is a live free class that I run every single week that's got a QA and a section. So for anyone that wants to dive into my work and find out a little bit more about what I do, then I would love to have you in class. Perfect. All right. Thank you very, very nice to talk to you. Take care. Take care. Thanks, Liz.